message today uh, that has been burning on my heart. One of the things that I've learned as a pastor uh, is to preach what you're walking through. Your, 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 your life tells the greatest message. And, you know, one of the things that I have seen, probably even in 2021, which is interesting because uh, it started, you know, just as a regular year. We're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. It was amazing. We do it twice a year. And this year just really felt the presence and power of God in an unprecedented way. And I'm thinking, man, we're coming out of 2020. I mean, no, 2021 is going to be an amazing year. We're, we're, we're moving forward, you know, we, we, and of course we are in so many ways. We got the construction moving, uh, lots of great things are happening. But then all of a sudden at the end of 21 days of prayer, it's like all hell began to break loose in my life personally, uh, even in, in relationships, whether it's the church or just emotionally or just the ups and downs. Man, I think I've got a victory here and there's another setback. And uh, I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, I just feel numb. Like it's, I'm starting, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling right now. I'm, and, and I talked to another person. They said, I feel like I'm drifting. I'm just, I'm doing the, what I'm supposed to, but I don't feel really connected. And, you know, um, another person said, I'm just going through the motions. And I, I told someone the other day, and I hate to say it, but sometimes you just got to faith it till you make it. You know, they say fake it, but really it's faith it. You know, you got to put the smile on your face and say, look, my God wins. The devil doesn't get the last say in this. And whether it's in this side of eternity or next, God still wins. And as a Christian, we get the opportunity to faith it. And that means we're going to put on a smile. We're going to get up. I don't feel it. Doesn't matter what I feel. Feelings are fickle. But I choose to live this life out. Look, Jesus died for me. I can live for him. And I'm not saying it's been easy. Listen, if, if I've ever had, I would have to say it's probably one of the hardest seasons I've ever been in. You know, as a pastor, you could just think about, you know, just all the craziness in March. Here we are, we're, 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 we're on-site church, like most churches in America. In one week, five days, we had to go to an online church. And then you have to learn how to pastor people online. And I don't know that we still have all that figured out. You know, it's so hard when you're online. The biggest challenge you have is to stay connected. Because sometimes you could say, well, I'll catch it on YouTube or I'll catch it uh, later in the week. But the problem is later becomes never. And you miss it. And, and the church, one of the things I say, if you're online, make it a discipline to be at the 930 or the 1130 service, just like you would on site. There's something to the discipline of the church coming together. And thank God for media. Of course, God works anytime through the media. Uh, but there's something about like, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Put your name in the chat. I'm here. We're ready. We're worshiping together. We're showing up together. We're faithing it. Even if I don't feel like it, God is in control. And it doesn't matter how your 2021 has started. And, and I know there's still a dichotomy of experiences. You got some people, it's been amazing, and others, it's been terrible. Uh, but what I do know is that regardless, we know Romans 8, 28 says, and we know 
that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So in all things, whatever your current job situation is, whatever your marriage situation is, whatever your financial situation is, whatever the weather does or doesn't do, Come on, somebody. Whatever health condition you find yourself in, that God is going to work it out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And as believers, we know he's talking about us. And what the enemy wants us to do is the enemy wants us to quit. The enemy wants us to forfeit what God has already got planned for our life. I'm, I'm convinced more than ever The devil has less power to derail my life than I do. It's not usually the devil that does it. Now, the devil brings obstacles. He brings trials. He brings challenging situations. But what I have found is I'm usually the one to disqualify myself. I'm the one that usually quits. You ever had that awkwardness in a relationship and you don't even know if that's how they feel, but you feel like they feel that way, and so you don't call them, you don't go around them, you go around the other way, but you don't even know why you're feeling that. And then all of a sudden, you lose this relationship, and you blame it on them, but they didn't do anything. Same thing with, with our life. That I, I was thinking about the game of, of the Super Bowl. You had the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, and Uh, You know, the Buccaneers got, which uh, ladies you could check out. I don't know if you watched it or not, but I was watching and, you know, is Brady going to win? And I love the Chiefs because of what they did last year. They're an amazing team. And I rarely have seen a play where it gets down to the one-yard line. Buccaneers right there, usually they just plow through. And I think it was like the first down, which means they had three downs to stop this drive of just one yard. Listen, one yard, one yard. One yard, that's all they had to go, just, just one yard. And so here you see they, they get there, they never made it. Two, three, third down, fourth down, turnover on downs. I, I thought about that often because I think that's where we're at as a church. We're like on the one yard line. And the devil is breaking all hell against us. And, you know, the weather, whether it's COVID, whether it's some kind of a furlough, whether it's your health. And it's like, man, and, and what will happen is you stop believing you can even get into the goal you stop believing the devil stopped you the first time and stops you the second time and stops you the third time well that's where you got to have faith I don't care how many times he stops me I'm not going to stop until we get into the victory God has for us and that's what I want to encourage you with today look some of you are on that one yard line the devil knows it and the only one that can disqualify us are ourselves. It's you. It's me. And so don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. I love what Galatians 6, 9 says. Let us not become weary in doing good. I'm not going to become weary. I'm not going to stop in what doing what God has called me to do. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It goes back to the I cannot quit. I will not quit. Quitting's not an option. I cannot quit. I will not quit. Quitting is not an option. I'm not going to stop. Why? Because God is on the move in my life. And though I can't see it, though I don't feel it, I know by faith that God is on the move in my life. We've got to have that tenacity as believers. Look, God never said it was going to be easy. 
God never said it was going to be just all this pie in the sky. No, no, it's a fight. But that's okay. He gives us his grace, his power, and his desire to do his will, to fight the good fight of faith. And today, I want to just give you a couple of thoughts that has really been in my heart and have been helping me in the moments where I've wanted to quit, the moments where I've wanted to say, no, I'm not, I don't know. I, I think we can, but I just don't know. I, I, I have some things that have helped me that I think are going to help you. The first one is this. If you're not going to quit and give up, you've got to refocus your life. Refocus. Got to refocus. Look at what Colossians 3, 2 says. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are here on this earth. So I gotta refocus. I gotta, I gotta say, God, I'm gonna focus on what really matters. God, I'm not gonna pursue the American dream, but I'm gonna pursue your dream. God, I'm gonna stay connected to where you want me to be connected. And ultimately, God's vision for your life is what you see each and every week on this stage. He wants us to know Him. Every person, whether you're on site or you're online, the number one thing is not a religious act. It's not trying to make yourself better. It's having an authentic relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God wants a relationship with you. Then once we do that, look, we've got to find freedom. Look, God will deliver you out of your sin. He pulls you out of Egypt, but now he's got to get Egypt out of you. You got to be delivered from the things that you were once bound up in, not only spiritually, but in your mind. You've got to say, okay, God, I'm going to walk in this. That's what we love about our small groups. Small groups are a place where we take off the mask and we're real and we say, hey, look, here's all my ugly. Let me see yours and I love you anyway. And what I've realized is that when I'm transparent, the thing the devil will cause me to not be honest about is the very thing every person in that room is dealing with and he wants us to be alone and isolated as we fight those battles but the beauty of a small group is it's like look you look into me and I'm going to look into you and I love you regardless there is freedom in that God there's freedom that's the goal it's not just to get together and have you do something else James 5 16 says pray for one another Confess your faults to one another that you might be healed. See, forgiveness comes from God, but healing comes from relationships. Then the third thing is, look, man, God wants you to discover your purpose. That each and every one of us, we got a purpose. You got a design. 87% of the church doesn't even realize why God created them. And so as a church, we have a process called next steps. It's four steps now, but next month it's going to be three steps. We go down to three because on the fourth Sunday of every month, we're going to start doing baptisms. And so next steps, it's a process. Helps you get connected to the church, helps you uncover your personality, your spiritual gifts, and then get you engaged in a team so that your life can make a difference, which is ultimately what God wants us to do is to make a difference with our life. Look, you're full of God. Why would we die and go to heaven and not share the God on the inside of us with the world that's dying and going to hell? And there's something about, you know, I was talking to Pastor Ashley and Jolay and the whole team about the outreach, and it was amazing. I just want to say how proud I am of the staff we have here at Anchor Bend. 
and the coaches and the leaders, but everyone, the staff, you know, we're talking and, and they're like, I don't have power, don't have water, but I'm coming to the campus. In other words, they're out there serving people, loving people, and, and, and their house is in a little bit of a disarray, but they're like, we've got an opportunity. And the amazing thing is nobody left the Dream Center saying, oh my God, it was terrible. You know what they left? They're like, what's up? What's up? You might have taken the water from my house, but I got to make a difference. I got to pray for people. I got to love on people. See, dream teamers and people that give and serve, it's not that you got a problem-free life. It's that you got something greater to live for than the problems that you have. And that's what is the church. It's the ultimate fulfillment of, of a Christian and a believer, and that's God's plan for our life. And so we cannot get distracted. Look, that, that's, that's the promises that God has for us. And of course, there's others, but that's where God's like, man, this is a path that I have for you. Don't get distracted. It reminds me of a story that I, I read about the 2004 Olympics. Uh, America had a guy named Matthew Emmons. Uh, he was in the rifle competition, and he was the best in the world at the three-position, 15-meter rifle competition. And at the Olympics, they are going through the whole meet, and he is blowing all the competition away. And he's at the final competition. All he has to do is to point his rifle. He doesn't even have to hit the bullseye. He just has to hit the target, and he wins the gold medal. And if you've ever seen or read about these guys who shoot in competition, it's absolutely astounding what they do. They lower their heart rate, and they've learned in their breathing to lower everything in their body and their function, and they actually pull the trigger in between heartbeats in a lowered heart rate, and they never miss. There's no jerking. There's no uh, movement. They're just spot on. And this guy has mastered this. And so here he is in the last part of the competition. All he has to do is to simply hit the target, not even the bullseye. He's going to win. So all of a sudden, Matthew gets up with his rifle. He takes aim. The crowd is watching. He fires. He lifts his hands. He hits in the bullseye. And the crowd gasped. <gasps> he hit the wrong target. He goes from first place to last place, all because he got distracted. And I wonder if 2020 and the winter storm, look, we're so focused, we're good, God's moving us, we're, we're, we're coming to church, went 52 weeks out the year, why? Because that's what pastor said, give God a year, see what God will do, so you're on track, you're in small groups, you've done next steps, you're serving on the dream team, you're tithing, like you are right there, you're like, man, God, I'm running the play, God, I'm doing what you called me to do, and then all of a sudden, we had COVID-19, kind of threw us all off. You're online. Don't really know what online church is like. Nobody did. Kind of got off a little bit. And then you think you're back on track. And then all of a sudden the winter storm. And my concern is this. is not that you stopped living. It's that you stopped living for the right things. 
Wouldn't it be a tragedy that we're all focused, man, God, I'm good. And you maybe are getting a promotion in your job. Maybe you bought the new house. You got the new car. You hadn't been going to church every week, but God's been blessing you. Just remember, those blessings are the seeds that you sowed in years past. So you're reaping a harvest now that you sowed in the past, but you're not going to have a harvest for the future because you stopped doing what you needed to do to make sure that your life was focused on the things of God. So it's a deception. Can you imagine what got him distracted? Was it confidence? Was it pride? Was it arrogance? All I know is, look, we're not, we're not living life for a worldly prize, but a heavenly prize. And the goal is that God would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to miss it. I want to stay faithful. I don't care what comes, God, we're going to stay focused. And that means we're going to have to refocus our lives. You need to evaluate how important is the church to me in this season? Am I doing the things that look, that, that's the whole, it's, look, God's coming for his bride. Jesus is coming for a bride and it's the church. And so we can have all these extra things, but listen, don't kid yourself. It's the church, it's the bride, it's us. And we've got to make sure that we stay focused. Second thing is we've got to embrace the process. We just got to embrace the process. Recognize and value what God is doing in your life. And I think no matter how hard it is, what we have to remember is that God's in control. I'm a believer. God's in control. God doesn't cause bad things, but how many know God will use bad things? And if something's happening to me, it's because God's wanting to do something in me. And so, okay, God, I don't understand. It doesn't feel good, but that's okay. I trust you. I love you. I'm going to stay focused on you. And I realize that God is more concerned about my character than he is my comfort. Come on, how many, as, as every good parent would be, right? We, we love our kids, but how many know I'm not concerned as much about their comfort? My little kids, I got four chitlins, and they go from 14 all the way down to eight. They're all about to get to 15, 13, and 10, and nine. Oh, my God, we're getting old, Phyllis. They, but imagine they say, hey, Dad, Mom, we don't want to go to school. Yeah, uh, okay, why not? It's hard. It's so hard, you know, my teacher and the homework. And, and we're going to be like, oh, baby, man, I totally understand. Come on, I want to empathize with you. I'm going to pat him. I'm going to say, I love you. Daddy's here for you. You need me to help you with math? No, I just need to stop math. Math is dumb. I got a calculator. I got a smartphone. No, baby, I got it. But you still got to learn some of those things. Pie is important to understand. I don't know where it's important, but it's important somewhere. And you just got to stay in, right? English, why do I gotta learn English? We got grammar league. Come on, daddy, I don't understand. No, no. So I understand it's hard, but you gotta develop some things. You gotta go to school. Why? Because I need you to get an education. Come on, somebody. You gotta go get you a college degree. Why? Because your daddy's retirement plan. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm gonna keep them in school. I'm going to encourage them. I can't help you with the test, but I can help you with the prep. I can, I can get you to school. I can pick you up from school. Look, there are things that God's doing on your behalf you may not even recognize because you're so focused on the negative. You're so focused on the bad, but God has been holding back the hand of the enemy, and you've got to realize, God, I choose to believe that I am embracing your process. And you are not going to let something happen to me that is not okay. And, and it may be hard. It may hurt. And it may not even be something I understand on this side of eternity. But God, you're in control.
And God, I trust you and I love you. James 1, 2 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Boy, I tell you, you when you read the New Testament in the early church, it's not a really great sales pitch. Come on, somebody. Have you, have you read it? I mean, just go read James. We're, we're actually going to study the book of James this summer. We're going to go all through it. We got, I got nine weeks of just the book of James. And, you know, it's amazing. You just go read there. and it, It's like, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you, but listen, there are trials. And, and here's what I love about Jesus. He says, consider it pure joy. You know, joy. Trials are joy. Oh, yeah, because it's doing something in you. It's like working out. Anybody love to work out? Yeah, you're lying bunch of liars. You don't like it the first part anyway. You start to like it because the endorphins and the way you look, but it's a challenge. But you find joy as you see working out builds a different body type. It's like, wow, my body is changing. It's the same thing with, with spiritual life. Look, when you go through trials, God is forming you and fashioning you and shaping you. And, and after a while you realize, hey, this is bad, but God, what comes out of this is great. So I choose to have joy because joy is not based on the situation or the circumstance. Joy is based on my God and God, you are good. Joy, joy. Then he says, look, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, God, I need you. God, I choose to walk through it. So listen, I want to encourage you. If you're walking through a trial, you're probably in the right place. Because I, I understand sometimes you could say, well, God, did, did I do something wrong? No, you probably did something right. Remember, the devil asked for Job when Job was doing what was right. And then crazy, he went to God. Can you imagine God's like, oh, yeah, you found my boy. That's my man. And then what did God do? God blessed him more, farther beyond he could ever imagine all after he walked through the trials of life. And whether we get those blessings on this side of eternity or next, I know this, God is faithful. Third thing is this, refuse to be offended. Whoo, pastor, pastor, say it, sir, refuse to be offended. I Give me another amen because that's just, I might just walk off the stage. I'm done. I know we're clowning, but hey, listen, if you think you're the only person that can get offended, you're wrong, baby. I had to check my heart a couple of times just over the last couple of months. I'm like, man, what in the world? And, and the Lord just brought me back to this. Again, I, I'm not trying to teach something. I, this is what I'm walking through, so I ain't preaching for you. I'm just preaching for me. I'm going to go back and watch this again and say, woo, preach for me, baby. Luke 17, 1, look at what Jesus says. Who says this? Look, he says, then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. I mean, th there's not very many things that Jesus said is impossible, but this is one of them. So what's he saying? Look, offense is gonna come. Why? Because the devil is trying to separate you from the very thing God wants to keep you connected to. Offense is a tool. It's a weapon that the enemy uses to keep people in captivity and to cause themselves harm. What does offense do? It disconnects you. So when you get offended at people at church, it disconnects you from the church. You get offended from you at your spouse, it disconnects you in your marriage. You get offended at your kids. Come on, how many ever, you're like them ungrateful little brats. <laughs> not, that, not that your kids or my kids are like that, but I've seen some parents. My kids are angels. 
How many have ever felt like offense? It's like, do you know what I just gave up and what I just did? And hey, teenagers, children, same thing. My parent, dad, what that offense to your parent is trying to disconnect you to the source of life that God put you with so that you would not only make it, but that you would thrive. Siblings and friends and neighbors and small groups. Listen, just think about any place you're offended. If you'll go to that place and say, where do I feel like I'm offended? You, you know how it is. You start to distance yourself and, nah, I'm good. And go to that place. I want to encourage you to write that place down and see what the devil's trying to disconnect you from. Because that's probably the very thing you need to get. Just see that? Man, I just spit all that baptism. Come on, somebody. We baptize in early today. If you're getting baptized, come on. I am actually baptizing today. I want you to join me today at 1 o'clock. I won't spit on you, but I will dunk you. Come on, somebody. But he's trying to disconnect you from the very thing that I believe God is trying to use to get you into the next season. That's why offense is there. So you got to be careful. I, I, I say it like this. Proximity creates clarity. Distortion cre- or distance creates distortion. Proximity creates clarity. Distance creates distortion. What does that mean? Well, how I many you know when you're close to someone, you're less likely to get offended? Why? Because you know their heart. You believe the best. You're like, no, 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 that's not them. I know them. We're close. So proximity gives you clarity because people say things and do things, but they never meant for it to happen. Sometimes we just interpret it the wrong way. Every time there's a gap, you have a choice. What am I going to fill the gap with? Trust or suspicion? Well, when I'm close, it's trust. When I'm far away, it's always suspicion. And I'm going to encourage you to give lots of grace in this season. Look, Those of you that are watching online, I want you to listen to your pastor. Give lots of grace in this season. You're watching online. You're worshiping online. You're a part of the online small group. You're a part of the online Next Steps community. All the things. Because it gets to things that didn't bother you before, now you have a problem with. Well, what is it? It's the enemy. He's trying to distort it. Well, but when you were close, you knew Pastor Jim's heart. You knew the staff's heart, the leader's heart. You knew all the vision, but you hadn't been making it all the time. So you hadn't been hearing all the things. And now the enemy wants you to say, well, why are you doing that? Is something wrong? Did y'all do something? Like what? That's crazy. Just remember wherever offense starts to happen, it's the enemy trying to disconnect you from the source of life. Just give lots of grace. I don't know what's happening. I trusted them before. I'm going to continue to trust them. I don't know why. I trusted them before. I'm going to continue to trust them. Let me just tell you this. If anything, we've gotten better. There's nothing in us that's like, man, thank God. Okay, we're just trusting you more. Like nothing's changed here at the church except just trusting God more. God, it doesn't look the same, but it doesn't matter. The vision hasn't changed. The people aren't changing. The movement hasn't changed. It's like, okay, God, we're just taking steps forward. It just looks different. It feels different. You know, I never thought I'd pastor more people online than on site. But think about this, two-thirds of our online fam used to come here in person. And so it's like, okay, I'm just trusting God you're going to bring them back. It's a, we're co- Don't allow the enemy to disconnect you. The devil's the, he's the one we're fighting. It's demonic strongholds. Look at Ephesians 6.12. Struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. It's not your spouse. Come on, not your enemy. 
The, the devil wants you to think your spouse is. He's trying to destroy your legacy. He's trying to destroy generations. He's not even going after you. He's going after your seed. She says, you're not my enemy. The devil, he, he distorts things in marriages, distorts things in families, distorts things in the way you see the church. I'm telling you, that's the devil's playground. You just got to say, God, I trust my wife loves me. My husband loves me. My kids love me. God, I trust my church loves me. I trust. And, and you just begin to put in the gap. And what will happen is that separation gets filled in. You're like, man, I'm getting closer. Why? Because you're choosing to believe good things and not bad things. Look at what Jesus said. I was reading John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. I want you to read that if you've never read it. The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Let me just read what he said about Jesus. I thought it was so profound. And then I'm about to close. So, and I only have one closing. In my greatest hour of need, my closest friends deserted me. Judas betrayed me. Peter denied me. The rest fled for their lives. Only John followed from afar. I had cared for them for over three years, feeding them, teaching them. Yet as I died for the sins of the world, I forgave. I released all of them from my friends who had deserted me to the Roman guard who had crucified me. They didn't ask for forgiveness, yet I freely gave it. Look, we just got to forgive people. How many know God has forgiven us for much? And man, I tell you, I ask people, man, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Just look, if I've offended anybody, man, forgive me. Because I'm going to forgive you. I'm forgiven, man. I just refuse. Remember, it goes back to this. I have seen this as a pastor now for eight years of this great church. People on the one yard line and the devil got them offended. Like I could see breakthrough. I was like, man, God's, and they just, they got offended. And that is so, so, so the devil didn't even have to do nothing. He just kind of stirred the pot. They left the field. They're not even playing the same game. Devil wins. Don't be offended. Fourth thing is this, last thing. Remember this, that God is with you. I think it's important for us to understand sometimes God doesn't feel close. Pastor, you're a pastor. Yeah, sometimes God doesn't feel close. Come on, somebody. There have been many a days I preached on this stage, God, I don't feel you. And then all of a sudden I step up, I feel the anointing. I'm like, God, you're here. And then I walk off, I don't feel nothing, hear nothing, see nothing. You're like, well, I thought you're the pastor. Yes, I am. <laughs> we have vision, we have clarity. And what I feel like God does at times, especially as you get mature, like how many remember when you're first born again, like God is, you're like, God, I need a parking spot. Woo, woo, woo. That parking spot opened up. Look, the Lord hurt me. You know what I'm talking about. Woo! Favor and fair. You know, you got, and, and you're just thinking God's doing it. Well, that's because you're a baby. Right? Right, because we need that, right? Like, God, I need to know it was real. I need to know that you really saved me. And the problem is everybody wants to live on diapers and formula, and nobody wants to grow up on real food. And so God will withdraw his presence like he's with you, but you may not feel it. He ain't left you. God never leaves you or forsakes you. But what he's doing is he's maturing you. Okay, I need you to grow up a little bit. Like I need you to stay disciplined whether you feel it or not. I need you to stay committed whether you feel it or not. I need you just to lock in. And as we pass those tests, we go to the next level. And so if you think that every person has a hotline to God and never has these dry seasons, you're mistaken. People have it, but they don't stop. I'm not going to stop in the valley. I'm going to keep walking through the valley. Don't allow yourself to get stuck. Look at what Isaiah says. It's one of my favorite passages. 
When you pass through the waters, I'm going to be with you. Some of you had water in your house. God was with you. When you pass through the rivers, they're not going to sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you're not going to get burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this. And do you know their message? Even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to bow down. And I just think that's the resolve we have to have. And, and, and I would love to tell you we win on this side of eternity, but we don't always win on this side of eternity. Not in the natural. I mean, tell that to a, a man who was pulled out of his home in Iraq and hung on a cross and martyred. Doesn't feel like a win on this side of eternity. But how many know in heaven that's a win? That we give our lives, God, fully. We, didn't, we don't compromise. We don't back down. We say, God, and here's the challenge. And my, my challenge that I have felt this year more than ever is to raise up a church that is not focused on the things of this earth, but the things of heaven. That's why we've been preaching kingdom. The kingdom of God within me impacting the world. That means what? That means it doesn't matter what happens. I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm just responsible for the input. And God, I'm going to serve you. There's so many times in the Bible, pick up your cross daily. Follow me. Picking up a cross, an instrument of torture, an instrument of murder, an instrument of shame. And yet God is saying, look, you got to pick it up. It's not always easy. And I know we love the blessing, and I believe God blesses us, but listen, will we live for him even if we don't receive the blessing we thought we deserved? I said, God, I love you. You died for me. I'll never forget dying and going to hell and having that encounter with Jesus. It's like, God, I got, I, where else am I going to go? I'm like the other 12. Jesus preaches the, the worst message you could ever preach. Eat my body, drink my blood. People are like, that's a hard thing. Everybody leaves. I'm like, yo, God don't ask me to do a reverse altar call. Say something. And I, what could you imagine one by one just walking up and leaving? Pew, pew. Masses there, crowds there. But see, Jesus wasn't preaching for the crowd. He was speaking for God. And that's where we got to stop living for the crowd. Stop living for Instagram. Stop living for Facebook. Stop living for TikTok. And you got to say, listen, God, I live for you, the audience of one. And if everybody leaves, you got a church. And that's my desires. God, you got a church. Like there are people here that we're all in. We're gritty. We've got resolve. We're not quitting. We're not getting offended. I want to be unoffendable. And God, we're going to link arms. And I believe, I just believe the world is hungry for a church like that that says, I'm all in. I'm all in. So this is what I want to do. I want to just pray. Some of you have felt like giving up. You're like, man, God, I don't know. You're probably right now worshiping online. And this was like the last time. Maybe you just joined us. Maybe you're here on site. I, I just want to pray over you. And I want you to know that you're not alone. A lot of people have felt like, man, I'm, I just feel like giving up. Just don't quit. I tell the fellowship and the staff, one of the greatest things you can do when you feel like quitting is go to bed and get up the next morning. So true. I always want to quit at night. Like, right, it ain't in the morning. It's like it's night, all hell broke loose, air conditioning car broke, my kid's going crazy. 
But if I'll go to sleep and I say, God, I give you tonight, and I'm going to wake up tomorrow, man, it's amazing that if I just set my faith, God, I got it. Just let me get some sleep. <laughs> just, just let me get some rest. I just want to encourage you. Don't quit. You got a church that loves you. Join a small group. Come be a part. Like, be vulnerable. I think the other challenge, too, is when, when you have people around you, if you're not honest, nothing can happen. You just got to be honest. Nobody cares about your mess. Can, can I just say that again? Nobody cares about your mess. Everybody's got their own mess. Can we all just get our mess together so that we can point our lives to Jesus and say, look, some of you are ahead of me and some of you are behind me and some of you are beside me, but we know this, we're not judging, we're loving, we're moving, we're pressing, we're going. And I want to call you back home. Some of you, listen, I feel this by the Holy Spirit. You've been online. You're nervous to come back. What will everybody say? They think I'm gone and nobody even cares. Come on back. Come on back to serve. Come on back to being a part of the online or on-site community. Come on back. Listen, vaccines are out. You know, I, I saw Governor Abbott's about to unlock all the mass things. And I, I think it's brilliant. Can I tell you, the worst thing that's happened is everybody has kind of gone incognito. Those masks have done more to our psyche than we'll ever know. And it's time for the church, man. I want to be unmasked. I just, I just want to be real. I just want to low me, whether it's physically... But I know in my heart, you know, if you feel comfortable with the mask, thank God, do it. I'm not saying anything about it. I'm just saying, I think in our emotions, in our hearts, in our relationships, we've been wearing these masks. And that's why the enemy's winning. That's why you've fallen back into your addictions and your mindsets and your patterns and your, it's got to come on back. We're not going to quit. We're going all in. Let me leave you with this last passage, Hebrews 13, 5. God said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Yeah.